everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, my name is Aid, and I'm back from yet again my travels. Uh, thank you very much to Graham and to Rachel for putting together an awesome show last week. Um, I'm starting to get a little bit paranoid because the ones when I'm not on are actually better. <laughs> but I'll try and deal with that. This week we have for you, uh, of course, my glamorous assistant, Graham. Uh, poor Rachel is sick again. Uh, any of you fancy sending a care package to her rather than to Graham? Uh, Graham getting all the sweets and cakes and goodies. Really, he doesn't deserve them, uh, as I'm sure he will be the last to admit. Um, but we have Graham on the show tonight and we have a special guest. But first of all, Graham, how are you, buddy? I'm doing very well, thank you. First off, let me just say, I, the shows when you're not here are definitely not better. We miss you when you're not here. And um, it, was, it was a lot of fun having the guys on last week. It's not the same without you. So it's good to have you back, dude. Secondly, at this point, given our health over the last couple of months, I'm not sure we should be asking people to send a care package to Rachel. I'm thinking maybe somebody should go out and euthanize her. I mean, I'm just saying... <laughs> It might be the kindest thing at this point, you know, take her out back and put old Yeller down. So um, uh, get us in, Rach. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Where do you go from that? Are you going to introduce our guest or what? Yeah, on the subject of um, taking Rachel back <laughs> oh, yeah. and shooting her, it's a real delight to have, us with, have with us somebody this week who we have not had a chance to speak to yet, but who was introduced to me um, in the first place, brought into my consciousness by the lovely Isabel Curtis, who we spoke to last year. Um, Isabel was talking about the fact that she is going to be having some of her work exhibited at the Connect 2018 exhibition in April, I believe. And the, the gentleman, or certainly one of the gentlemen behind that happening, is Mr. Rob Knight, who is with us tonight. Rob, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to have you on the show. Um, it's a real shame Rachel's not here tonight, actually, because I know she really wanted to be in on this conversation because you and Rachel share a lot in common in the fact that you're um, both engaged in the educational side of photography, amongst many other things. But the educational side of things certainly plays a large part of it for you. Can you tell us a bit about what you do with this photographic education? Yeah, we've um, so my background uh, aside from photography is in education or in higher education itself. Um, but so that lends itself very nicely, really, I guess, to uh, working as a photographic educator. Um, it's, it's always been a big inspiration, really, to help others along the way and try and do some coaching. So a lot of what we do over the years has been a mixture of technical workshops uh, although I don't find massive kind of interest personally in the technical side um, I actually you know I'm actually drawn to the aesthetics and the emotion of photography so much, much of what we do in our workshops whether it be residentials whether it be mentoring coaching whether it be sort of deck one-to-ones or groups um, is around helping people find their voice and look for their own kind of creative angle and their creative expression so it is very much it's, it's kind of an open book in a way and, and it can lead to some immense kind of um learning for myself actually from from the people that i work with so robin's strictly saying teaching you know, i think it's a collaborative process we um, we with all the people we work with and we always learn stuff off everybody we work with so yeah, it's it, it's a very interesting thing. I, I do do some 
more technical side of things. I'm an Adobe education trainer as well. Um, and, and, and do kind of specialise in the Adobe sides as well as technical photography. But yeah, my, my main interest I would, um, the focus of what we do, uh, myself and my wife as a kind of workshop duo as a working photographers is helping people express themselves and looking for creative expression. And how long have you guys been doing this for now? Oh, my gosh, we must be. Uh, I was looking the other day. We must. It must be nine or ten years. Eight, nine, ten years now, all told. Um, yeah, it must. It must. Must be getting on for that. It's amazing how time flies, and you don't realise actually. Part, part one, you're getting older, and one, the time's just flying by, and you're taking the next kind of trip off somewhere, and the next uh, kind of brilliant people to work with. It's like Jesus. Yeah, another another year's flown by so when you first got into the education um or the photographic education because i know you were telling us um, before we started recording that um your work you, you're involved in it in your day job or in your other day job and when you first started down this road was it the more technical side that you started with was it more things like teaching people how to use the software things like photoshop and lightroom is that where it began or did you start off on the more nuts and bolts photographic stuff? Um, yeah, I guess traditionally, like a lot of people who, who kind of lead workshops and stuff, it, it did very much start off on the, the kind of traditional photographic workshops. So kind of helping people with camera settings, f-stops, composition, the software side of things to back it up, so to, to finish the process. Um, and, and it was, it's not that, you know, I don't, I don't enjoy that. I do. And, I, and, I, and, you know, and there is value in that, but it was just really, we started further down the line looking for something that we felt that was more akin to our, to where we were with photography and how, what our passion for it was. And, and that, as I say, was the creative side rather than technical. So, I mean, most of the people who come on various workshops and residentials will say, there's an absolute mixture of technical stuff where needed, camera skills, like Lightroom, Photoshop, Premiere Pro, video, bit of video. We do we do complete mixed media, but uh, a lot of the focus is about just helping people find that kind of creative path, which, which in a way I, I kind of think is how where you, where you find your passion and your enjoyment, rather than worrying too much about. The technical side of things which you can just push out your brain eventually um as i guess part of this ethos that you're working through and also as part of your desire to i uh, guess give back to the photographic world you fairly recently i think announced that you were going to be doing these six month um free mentorships for one person at a time um and obviously within that that is going to cover partly the technical stuff, but also things like portfolio reviews and trying to help people find their voice. Um, I've got a fairly good understanding of what it's like to try and, or I can imagine what it must be like to try and educate people in the more nuts and bolts side of things. But how do you find it? How do you go about trying to help people with the more creative side of things, finding your voice, finding inspiration out there, the things that um, I think most of us at some point or other find very difficult? Yeah. I mean, in a way, it's relating, I guess, to, to the experiences I've been through as a, as a creative, as a photographer, and trying to understand my own journey uh, and through 
kind of reflecting back as to where I came from. And I think a lot of it comes down to um, listening probably more than talking, uh, which doesn't make for a very good interview. But in terms of educating, if you can listen to people and draw out of them a little bit more about who they are, where they've come from, and draw on the skills that, you know, pe people bring with them an absolute kind of world of experience, non-photographic, non-creative, you know, and a whole life of experience. But actually, they shape how we perceive and see the world and how we, in a way, how we choose to express ourselves. So it's, it's really a lot of it is about listening and then trying to coach people and guide them along exploring who they are rather than necessarily I was I would say a lot of photographers spend a lot of time trying to be somebody else rather than trying to find out who they are do you think that that comes down to a, a, an issue of confidence um partially confidence and partially I think it, it's part of the natural kind of learning journey we we, we set off and we, we you know we we learn the technical skills we learn the the f-stops the compositions the kind of rules or suggestions for how we should compose images we we, we read magazines we immerse ourselves in podcasts video photography magazines and we're told we're constantly showered in a way especially in magazines with you know the best landscape photography must be done like x or y or the best kind of film photography must be done in x way and in a way you've got to go through all that and i think we've all probably been through all that as part you know it's proving to yourself that's possibly where the confidence in my mind comes in is you prove to yourself you can kind of tick off these um these technical skills and capabilities and i think it's almost a case once you've done that um I also almost feel you've got to unlearn things to then progress. So it's a case of letting go of the shackles and the foundations we've learned and let them be intuitive and then use that as a scaffolding to build your confidence to explore who you are. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that I often think about. As you said, I, all of us, or I would imagine all of us is probably not true, but most people, when they get into photography, are going to look at the work that's out there and, and try and learn through emulation. Um, and and I, yeah, I just wondered whether after a while that can become a straitjacket in the sense that you... Um, you know you can take a picture that looks like other pictures that are on the internet, so that's a safe picture. But the your the things that you know, you might want to do, you might take a picture and go, I really like that, but I'm not going to share it because it doesn't look like other people's pictures. Um, <laughs> and and having the confidence to to go, actually no, this deserves to be out there. And um, and this idea of being confident and to put your work out there alongside other people's to be viewed you know in conjunction with them is something um that seems to be very much part of what you want to do with the um connect exhibitions now um i don't know a great deal about these but from my brief reading it seems that these started from a Flickr group of all places um yeah. is that right <laughs> absolutely yeah it, it, gosh about i guess when i first kind of got back into photography, I'd always had sort of film cameras and uh, 
worked with my dad's old Olympus camp uh, trick 35 and done a bit of street photography and then nabbed his um, Practica SLR and I got back into photography probably 15, 20, yeah, about 20 years ago and it was around the digital kind of revolution, shall we say. Uh, and Flickr at the time, seen, you know, it was a great place to kind of share your work, get a bit of feedback, try and understand a little bit more about your work and, you know, in trying to progress, it was, in a way, it was part of that kind of personal process of just exploring myself and my own passion for photography. So, yeah, it, it did very much start with a, within a Flickr group based in Nottingham. And, it, and we were very much about just people getting together and sharing work. Uh, we did, we started off with little exhibitions as, as a lot of these things do at like local studies libraries and kind of smallish venues. And then we, ju we just progressed. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was then about looking for the next step. But uh, I mean, you know, Flickr has changed a heck of a lot over the years. and they've buried loads of the social content and which makes it for me a lot harder to work with i love the kind of collaborative social side rather than just the quick engagement of a somebody putting a shiny badge on and saying wow i'd like you know i love that kind of <laughs> but you know the the ability to have a discussion with somebody and understand somebody else's thought process and and then fire questions at you and, and i think flick has possibly that's been their own death now they've buried that and I think that's what will probably drive Flickr into obscurity very soon. So can you talk to us more then about the the exhibition that has grown up from these Flickr startings? Um, your This year's exhibition is the on the 7th and 8th of April, I think it's going this year. Um, and is this your third exhibition or the third <laughs> of the connected exhibitions? Um Well, we're, 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 it's probably more, we're actually, this is the 11th year. Oof, wow yeah 11, 11 years it last year last year was the 10th we we kind of last year was the first year we did a, a, a launch weekend we know the, the exhibition itself runs for a month so it kicks off on this year on the 31st of march we have like a soft launch week as a, so at the arts center and then we have a launch weekend or well, after last year we decided to have a launch weekend to celebrate the 10th year but ev everybody had like loads of kind of positive feedback and oh, you know it's, it's great to get together and have a chance to meet up with other photographers and chew the curd and just generally kind of spend a whole week weekend kind of dedicated to a little bit of kind of learning other people's inspiration so it was really the demand for this the 11th year which drove us into a launch weekend so that is the, indeed the 7th and 8th of april at uh, patching's art center in nottingham reasonably central to the for the country um the, the ethos of the exhibition has always been and will always be um it's about inclusivity and opportunity and giving people the opportunity to you know with the safety of the crowd if you can imagine around them remove a few of those kind of confidence barriers maybe the barriers of cost if you've got to go and get some printed and framed on your own and you know to remove some of these barriers and we, we've got some sort of great deals with the guys who, who do our framing in sheffield and we work with photo speed uh, vince and the team there 
who are kind of paper and ink sponsors for the exhibition and have been for the last number of years, which is absolutely fantastic. And and that helps us really just make it inclusive for people and give people the opportunity at the lowest price. It's literally going to cost. You know, Karen and I, we love doing it, and as do sort of a few of the other guys who've been involved right from the start who, who help out along the way and do little bits and bobs. We put our time in for nothing because, you know, it's such a vibrant and positive weekend and it's all about just giving people the opportunity to get their to get the pictures especially with digital more so uh possibly film where where people are often still scanning rather than printing as much um is, is to get them out of that digital realm and, and pop them where a, a photograph and somebody's creative work was always meant to be in, on a wall and displayed for other people to enjoy. And I think with the safety of the group around you, people don't feel quite so quite so self-conscious. We don't hang people's work by artist. It's hang, hung aesthetically by either theme or colour or picture. So, again, rather than being about a name or an artist who might be well known or compared to an artist who's just doing it because they love creating photography and they d they're not necessarily professional um everybody gets an equal billing everybody can have up to three images that they are displayed everybody's for sale at the same price at the end of the at the end over the week the month of the exhibition and it and it's all about having that kind of parity and it being about the image rather than the photographer or the name and hopefully that comes across and it seems to be what people buy into so so it, it, as i say the launch weekend 7th and 8th and april it, it's it although last year was meant to be a special one it, it was driven by people saying yeah let's do a weekend again um so just so, to make sure i understand so the the launch weekend is at the tail end of the um <laughs> exhibition run is it's that right it's the launch weekend is the second weekend so so we it actually opens as a soft launch on the 31st of march got you uh and then the, the following weekend 7th and 8th of april is the actual launch weekend where we we put on sort of six guest speakers across two days the guys from the podcast sam at least we'll be there if Paul's not available and we're going to do a bit of kind of an idea I had a few years ago working at the working with the Patchens Arts Festival in Nottingham and Steve uh, and Steve the uh, editor of Outdoor Photography magazine Steve Watkin is to do a, was to do a kind of a photographer's question time and kind of get the audience involved and make it really open and discussive kind of session that sounds great um so how many people how many people are going to be exhibiting in this year's show uh so this year i think we've got about 30 36 or 38 artists i, I, I although i've got them in a spreadsheet and kind of <laughs> attention to detail i've never i haven't actually sent count of them up <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I hope you've made sure you've got enough wall space for all those people for a, a very least. Um, and, and how did these, because as you said, it originally started with the Flickr group, so I'm guessing it was members of the Flickr group, but it's now grown beyond that. So how are people getting involved with this? 
Yeah, well, we have so we we have a we have a dedicated website now, which we've had for the last three four years, which is connected-exhibition.co.uk. We uh, and what I find is that Twitter has been an absolute, um, you know, it's been it's been a real kind of positive thing for photographers. I know a lot of people kind of have minor issues with social media, but I think the kind of the networks and the community that Twitter affords and um, Instagram as well, more so growing as well now, that we launch, we kind of publicize it and launch it both via the website. We still drop stuff back on the Flickr just in case anybody's kind of really <laughs> still alive. stuck back in the past. Uh, it, but it, it is a very quiet place, Flickr now. But, uh, but yeah, it's all about social media and sharing and hopefully the word gets out there via the various networks Uh, we we have got a bit of a a page on facebook but facebook is something um, me and it don't get on very well (laughs) i think think aid and i would both agree that that's a perfectly reasonable start to check yep (laughs) (laughs) so um when you so do you put out an open call for people to submit um with the exhibition yeah, we did. We put out an open call normally, sort of about October, early November each year. Um, the last two years, we've been absolutely blown away by the response. It's been phenomenal. The last last year, I think the spaces were snapped up in about eighteen hours, and this year, wow, the available spaces were snapped up in I think about twelve or fourteen. It it was literally. I, I launched it early evening and by the next morning and the people who sort of filled the form in the google form and set set their initial interest racing had literally taken all the spaces we could offer we've got it's a pretty big gallery at patchings but uh what you know we do have a finite amount of space and we've ummed and ahed whether we should reduce it to two pictures per person but um we, we've managed to find a happy medium in that we're we're going to have a second exhibition later in the year in November up in North Yorkshire, specifically kind of called Landscape Inspired. Uh, and it's going to be more about, possibly more solely about landscape, whereas Connected 2018 and, and the previous ones have been very much open theme. We don't like to put any constraints around anything. So we get everything from street portraits to street photography to industrial to strict landscapes to kind of portrait all it's pretty every genre you can imagine uh but yeah the 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 november one we wanted to with a a kind of couple of thought processes one i wanted to give something back to the people who maybe missed out so we've got a bit bit of a waiting list Uh, and two we wanted to give something back to a local community up in North Yorkshire where reasonably close to the moors where we stay a lot and I take an awful lot of inspiration from creatively. And so it was a great way to kind of do something we, and try and do put an event on. But also, as we do each year, we, we have a bit of a charity edge to it and we always have a charity auction as well. So... Hopefully, there's a bit of something for everybody, even those who missed out on the the main connected. Have you ever had because you're kind of throwing the doors open and going, look, if you want to show your work, show your work here, and you know, and this is open, and everyone can have. Have you ever? 
ever had a situation where the people have gone, yeah, great, registered interest, and you've given them a space, and then the pictures have turned up and you've gone, uh-oh. <laughs> Not in terms of necessarily quality, but perhaps in terms of content, or have there been any moments where you've had to have um, delicate conversations with people? <laughs> I thought you were going, so sorry, just before you say the answer to that, Rob, I thought he was going somewhere else with that. I thought that was going to be something along the lines of, have you ever had to say a gentle no to a podcast host who's asked you if he could be part of your exhibition? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and also that and if not can we make that happen real soon <laughs> no no i mean and and this is i guess the thing that kind of bizarrely kind of it kind of self-polices itself in a way uh i mean it is all about personal expression and i think majority of people out there are you know they can be artistic and creative and expressive uh, and you know, without having anything that's beyond taste. Um, so, so yeah, we've never had an issue where any anybody's put in anything kind of strictly a little bit kind of close to the bone. We, we do get very interesting, expressive stuff. I mean, I put a, I remember one year I actually put a shot in. Um, there was a, a burlesque dancer's backside. Oh, God, now listen, I, I aid. I, I, before we got on this call, right, I said we weren't going to bring this up. And he's gone there. He is gone there because uh, there was a line. Listen, listeners, you may not believe this. We don't have very many lines that can't be crossed on this podcast. But Rob just crossed the one line we have. There's the, the burlesque shot that Rob is talking about, which is on this one, has selective color on it. Which, it is, yes. Oh, God, I mean... It's a knife in my heart every time, yeah. and um, and and I, I'm gonna put this out. This is the second week in a row, and I've been subjected to seeing selective color on somebody's website. Really? Um, I'm just just saying. You're saying hanging that out Rob on Amber. the wrong websites. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's a very nice picture up until the point where it's selective color, at which point my heart breaks. And, oh um, dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! I think it was part of that. You, you know that kind of the progress where you, whereas you're exploring creative tools and filters and things that we've probably all dabbled in at one point no nope, never it's there with hdr and that kind of <laughs> that's very true that's very true the yes stuff that's consigned to kind of the, the embarrassment the embarrassment corner as you said it, we we all have to go through these things when we're in the early days of ah, what does this do well that's interesting <laughs> and then you look back a few years later and go oh but uh, um Actually, I'd like to talk a bit more about your own personal work, um, because you, I would imagine for a lot of people, uh, the connected is quite likely to be their first experience of showing their work in a public venue. And, and it sounds like a great place for people to do that in the first time, because as you said, there's, there's lots of other people's work there. So the focus is very spread, so that it's much less threatening than having your own wall or gallery all to yourself but yeah. you have been down that road um so the um most recent thing uh, i don't know the most recent actually but um oh i'm gonna the name is gonna completely blank me the dark uh dark, dark what sorry Rob? dark visions dark visions thank you yes so this is a body of work that you put together um it was in the last couple of years this one or is it further the back dark visions one, so that was that probably took me about five and a half six years uh and it's predates the one i've been doing over the last couple of years so yeah it, it's quite a long long body of work and uh, never started off 
with the mindset being a project. It was, I think, I, when I chat to Sam Gregory on the podcast, we were we went into this actually. But yeah, it, it it meandered its way into a project, and I guess I never actually set out to make it an exhibition either. <laughs> at the start, at, yeah. you, know, but, you know, it, it's different. You don't want to kind of hang tags on yourself and say, "I'm going to put my work on the wall." You know, to hell with the rest of you. See what you think. It, it was it was just a means of exploring my personal journey and understanding what my inspirations were. So initially, you know, reflecting back, understanding that kind of I was more drawn to black and white and the kind of the graphic compositions I could work with and and a, a kind of a darker portrayal of black and white than maybe what a lot of people produce. It's quite contrasty, quite... I love dark shadows. Um, <laughs> I remember a friend of mine going for an image review with uh, Charlie Waite, and him, he said to him, oh, I don't like to see any dark shadows. I love detail everywhere. And I'm kind of... I'm the opposite. I, I love shadows because I think it gives the viewer a little bit of space to work in their head and to tell, tell their own story and start applying their own interpretations. So rather than putting a picture out there and saying, right, here's everything, look at it. It's, a, it's about being a little bit selective and creating a mood and a bit of a playground for people to work in. So Dark Visions, I guess, was a bit of a dark introspection into my mind and kind of spawned a number of talks and things I've done over the years uh, called the experiential landscape which kind of draws on this whole concept that we bring with us loads of kind of past experiences and skills and, and things in our life that shape how we portray or, and how we view what we see and dark visions was my exploration of that and a you know, trip around landscapes and often industrial landscapes. I love human interaction with the land. Uh, that's possibly because I was brought up in the industrial Midlands in the 70s and you know, coal mines and a bit further north, steelworks and things like that. And, I, and I'm still now drawn to kind of areas of industry. I love kind of, I love to see what the human impact has been on the environment, but also how the environment's fighting back and how nature is so resilient and with, with a little bit of care that uh, it, it can start to sort of tell its own story again. So, yeah, Dark Visions was kind of that whole kind of journey of mine encompassed into, yeah, about five and a half, six years before it before it kind of made realisation as, as an exhibition or, or the book that I produced at the end of it as well. So you went through that whole process in a in a very um, unformed way. You, as you said, you didn't set out for it to be a project. You didn't set out with an end goal in mind. Um, the project you just started, um, which again is going uh, at least at the moment along some of the themes that you've already talked about of <laughs> of nature and that tension between it and the places <laughs> where we're putting our um, great big lumps of concrete down, um, is the uh, Washlands Open Project. Um, and this, I think you've started within the last month. This is something that you are planning to go through and document the entire journey of 
going from oh this might be a good idea to whatever it ends up being um from soup to nuts uh what made you decide to do that and what do you think from it will be useful for people um following you doing it yeah um i mean uh, it, it was one of those I, t I tend to work, I, I like the concept of working in projects. I, I feel that the single images, personally for me, often I struggle to kind of develop a, a narrative or a, or a little bit of a story around. So I like to work in images and so, or in projects with images. And what I tend to do is, is I look for ideas and threads and themes. And I have a kind of a, scrapbook and a notebook that's just full of kind of potential ideas and I'll snap initially start snapping away on, on the old iPhone just to try kind of as a, as a kind of visual scrapbook as much as anything to see if there's a, a thread there and, and the washlands itself is, is a pretty unremarkable piece of um, floodplain land uh, literally sort of a mile and a half from where we live on, on the east side of Sheffield um, and it, it's a piece of land due to the geography and the topology that invariably hundreds, thousands of people over the course of a week drive past, walk past, and probably don't give a second thought to. And it's kind of, there's a lot of, lot, lot taken for granted in a way. And, you know, you, you meet people down there walking dogs and having a bit of a potter, but it, it's, it's, it's reasonably unremarkable in that sense but it's such a in a strange way it's a really interesting it's a really beautiful piece of land it's it's kind of bounded by human interaction which it, which again is what i'm drawn to and that's probably through being a geographer by education um in that it's one side now is the the a57 bypass which has just been thrown over it as as you say lumps of concrete We've got the river, which has been rechanneled um, to manage the land, to manage the floodplain. And then you've got the railway the other side, which has seen development over the years. And so it was one of these places that I passed and I thought, well, th there's a thread here. There's something I'd love to get, you know, get down there, spend a bit of time with, investigate. I, I do quite a lot of reading of either photography blogs, books, various other things. And um, I remember quite a few years ago being quite taken by the work of Chris, Chris Tancock, the Welsh photographer who spends a lot of time working very local to himself and, you know, to the extent where he'll kind of pop his tent in a field and he's capturing everything, the, the cows popping the nose through the entrance to the tent and then the landscape. And that, concept of kind of living not necessarily living on but living with a location that a lot of people just never notice really appealed to me and, and wanting to know more so I did loads of reading had a look at kind of various wildlife trust kind of websites to see what was mentioned about it and again even in terms of the wildlife trust it's probably their least prominent one in the Sheffield Rotherham area Again, which kind of made me, it kind of gave me the sense that it was a little bit unloved in a way, uh, and needed a, needed a voice. So it, it kind of it felt natural then to want to go and explore it more. Uh, and it, it, you know, as daft as it sounded, it, it drove me to then start kind of 
trying to work out, you know, what this piece of land was through time. And I've looked back over kind of various historical maps and historical documents and looking back through the industrial age all the way back to about a thousand years ago and looking at kind of what fossils and various things were found. So that spark of inspiration, I knew it, that was probably going to be my next body of work. And the actual reason for sharing it um, came probably partially through the education side and the kind of teaching that we do. Uh, and, one, and a lot of people sort of say that when they've been on workshops with us are, I, do, I struggle to work in a project, I struggle to either find momentum or have an idea or maybe develop it along the way. And it kind of, I remember having probably oh, about seven months ago, having a chat on Twitter with quite a group of people. And, and again, the whole project conundrum, <laughs> a couple of folk called it, came up and it was like, well, it's it. I thought, oh, you know, could, could I share it? Uh, you know, literally warts and all, because one of the other things with photography, no matter what format, theme, genre we do, what, what type of camera it is, is we often only ever see other people's best work. And from a confidence perspective, we then, you know, you, you'll know yourself. It's when, when you're going down in the peaks and troughs and things. And when, you, when you're in the troughs and you, you're kind of comparing your Lightroom catalogue or your slide collection of all the successes and failures and working working images along the way, you're comparing that to people's um, sort of portfolio images that they share online, and it uh, and I think that's one of the things that possibly knocks people's confidence a little bit. Maybe I don't know, I don't know what you guys think on that. Yeah, no, I think it's very easy to get into the um, into the rut of just yeah, as you said, looking online and going, well, everybody's work is perfect, and of course. Yeah, it, only the bits that they choose to show you for the most part, although there are some people who choose to show you everything. Um, one of the things, and I, I'd love to actually have AIDS feedback on this because he's kind of in it now. I, I'm, I'm always interested with with any project, how much thought you give, well, I'm sure you give it simple, but how important the idea of what it's going to be at the end is to how the process goes. Because AID, you're currently in the process of, figuring out what the end of one of your projects is which is you know your trip to Bhutan and what you do with those images and, and how they come out I mean how, how are you getting on with that at the moment Aid? and um, what are your thoughts on that Ooh. Ooh. good question <laughs> um, so having uh, given it a jolly good ignoring for three months <laughs> after I got back or was that me just letting me it sink in and, and appreciating the images for what they really are I can't I, one of those two things or somewhere in the middle uh, so what am I thinking um, uh, I, I'm I'm not great at finishing anything to be honest <laughs> um, so uh, this is this is quite a challenge for me um, so what I'm trying to make 2018 about is, uh, for me and my photography is about actually finishing stuff about output, um, and specifically about output that is not just digital. 
So mm. at the moment I'm going through it and I find it's, it's fits and starts, um, uh, at, I think. So I, I, I'll look at the images and, I, and I'll spend an hour going through them and I'll edit them down to a great collection and it'll tell the sort of stories that I want and then I won't touch it for a week and a half. And then what did I do last week when I had my inspiration? Oh, I started writing some copy for the eventual zine or or small booklet that these things are are, are destined for. But if you'd asked me at Christmas time what it was that was going to be the destination of those photos, I wouldn't have had a clue. So uh, I try and give myself the discipline of doing something regularly. I've you know, I've now got, and I'm very grateful that you, you and Rachel have helped me do some of the editing as well and identify the photos that are worthy of showing to people. Uh, so teamwork is and, and collaboration is part of what gives me the the oomph to go do these things as well. So um, I'm from that point of view, uh, it's a painful but hopefully ultimately rewarding experience <laughs> do, do you so um rob when you're doing these projects i mean do you have an idea about what the output is going to be for this washlands project or is that just not a thing that you think about until you get to the end like hey there's and then go Wah! yeah I, I i guess i i don't really have i know there will be an output uh, uh and again probably a bit like they just said there it's you know there'll be a time when it probably presents itself to me as what the appropriate output for it is. Uh, and I think that's the important thing in a way, uh, certainly uh, in my mind, is to not, you know, it, to have that focus of working on something and kind of giving yourself a little bit of structure, but be, but be reasonably open to, to where it might take you. Uh, and it's, it's been really interesting, just the first... Although the first actual shoot or the the first time I went and shot down on Washlands was actually January 2017. And I, I had no idea that it was going to be a project. It was just, oh, let's go and have a look at and see what it looks like at that point. So there are some of the images that have come into it uh, in the early stages to illuminate the blog and to, to just help me kind of make sense. But at the minute, I'm not really thinking that there'll definitely be what the end output will be. There's been some interesting things present themselves to me through various connections, through somebody I knew through a, an image auction who happens to be a, a professor of geography in Manchester who's actually, he, he emailed me after reading the blog to say he's currently researching uh, flood alleviation um, land and washlands uh, and he's kind of taking quite a keen interest in it so i had a couple of kind of sparks of inspiration of how i might be able to do a little bit of work with him because i think as as Abe just said i think for me collaboration is always massively important uh, I, I like to look for a collaborative edge at some point during the project uh, and i'm sure certainly washlands will have that uh, the one you were asking me a little bit earlier about a project um, that I've just kind of finished, my most recent one, which has been on one I titled Unknown Known, um, which which is very much now into the collaboration stage. I spent two years shooting that one, and that was a kind of a, it was a bizarre project because it, it, it was a response to having the exhibition for Dark Visions at the Joe Cornish Gallery and almost kind of, needing downtime after it and 
kind of shunning the camera and not wanting to take a picture because you, there was a fear setting almost in a way. How, how do you kind of repeat the high of where you work, you know, the amount of work you put in and the effort and stuff and that kind of crescendo of an exhibition somewhere that you, you kind of hold in esteem? How, how do you kind of repeat that high? And in a way, the fear crept in. I didn't want to take a picture. And I remember looking back at my how I organised my Lightroom catalogue and my processed folder for 2016 had one image in it. <laughs> we just like, oh, wow, <laughs> that, that's downtime. Uh, and but uh, part way through that year, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd been, I'd been going out walking the, the dog that we'd um, that, that we'd adopted, and and just as a means to get out and reconnect with the landscape and be local myself and and learn a little bit more about where we the places that we take for granted and we call home, but we often know little about. And, and that kind of spawned after lots of experimentation to trying to find the, the means to portray a photographic journey in, in, in an image or in a series of images. So it became about a movement through the landscape. And that one now, it kind of, just towards the end of last year, I knew there was one image I needed to wrap that up. And but I'd I'd always knew I wanted to do something collaborative. And I've done some work with a couple of writers on Dark Visions who took my images and interpreted them as short written stories. Uh, and with Unknown Known, I, I I got chatting to a musician I know, a guy called Sean Byrne, kind of a rootsy folk musician, very talented guy. Uh, from the Chesterfield area, and we had a really interesting chat. And, and he looked at some of the images. He said, oh, "I've got a group of musicians. It'd be great. We could take these and kind of interpret them." And uh, and then that kind of spiraled on, and we got we all got kind of way way giddy and excited as you do. And uh, to the extent that we're you know we're going to finalise that, that then told us what the final output would be in terms of printed exhibition, some music. A handmade book, and I've been capturing field recordings as well while I've been out. So using either the iPhone or a, a handheld recorder to capture the sounds to try and portray a little bit more about the feeling of being out in the landscape. So they're going to work with those as well. So we we then got really giddy and excited because we have a huge love of music between us all, and uh, I'm an absolute addict for collecting vinyl. And uh, we decided that, that we've looked into this somewhere and we're actually going to, with the book, press the music and the field recording combinations they do uh, to vinyl as well. So, we're, so yeah, th these kind of things, the outputs of a project often don't present themselves to you until you're way, way down the line, I don't think. And yeah, I don't know what, what you think, Hayden, in terms of that, how yours is kind of, crept upon you or presented what you might want to do are you going to make a record of yours aid because i'd absolutely be on board for that well yeah yeah well yeah so i it, that i mean that that does sound like a, a an awesome idea <laughs> i didn't do much in the way of field recording while i was out there though so i'm not sure what i get from that so i think it, it's 
Uh, I'm really interested here because uh, when you're talking in, in musical terms, you you you've taken on the challenge of that tricky second album, haven't you? You know, and you've 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 you you had a successful show and then went for yeah, you know, and then uh, had to struggle through getting it right for for doing things again and have collaborated with people. And I think that's that's pretty uh, pretty inspiring stuff to me because it, it does resonate with some of the stuff that I'm uh, I've experienced. Um, it, it, but it, yeah, I, I, I still, um, I, 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 I haven't um, approached this project with any an output in mind. But I do. It, it's weird. It because in in my professional life, I do absolutely that. Almost everything I do is a project with an outcome in mind from day one. I mean that that's what I do for a living. Um, so it's it's some some ways it's nice to not have the the pressure. You know, uh, and it's uh, and let it flow. Um, whether that ends up in me being lazy and not finishing stuff, or whether that ends up in you know marvelous creativity, well, other people will judge that. <laughs> I'm not, and 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 if I ever get one finished, they'll they'll have their opportunity. <laughs> but, it's going to so. be a competition to see which what's finished first. Aid you will rob with his Washlands project. Well, I, mean, I say that's even money at this point. Yeah, quite quite possibly, but you know that's that that's okay. I think, and part of what I. I've learned from doing this podcast and talking to all our guests over the last year and a half or more is is that it's okay you know it's okay not to finish things and walk away you know it's it's okay to let things go on for a long time and 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 find their own path it's okay to be super dedicated and have deadlines to hit um and uh you know th- th- those are all things that we've experienced in talking to the guests we've had on the show over over time so yeah, I, I guess um, I suppose my question for Rob is, is, is as, as we look to sort of s- summarise this part of our conversation for this evening, is, yeah, is, is there anything particularly that you would give uh, as advice, Rob? I mean, you, you are an educator and you're someone who's, who's uh, pushed through with your own personal projects as well. Um, is, there, is there any particular form of advice you like to give people who come on your workshops or, or, or you know, the, the listeners to Sunny 16 might benefit from? I think it's a little bit like, like you've just touched on there, in that it's actually don't put too many rules and constraints on yourself when it comes to, one, your photography, two, if you do choose to work in projects or if you choose to work in single images. And actually, you know, do we have to show everything we produce? Do, do You know, does it have to go to the outside world or, or you know, and, and to other people? Or, or actually, is there is there some, you know, real kind of intrinsic value in, in actually just following a what a piece of work or a thread that we're really interested in finding a, a creative zone as it were and actually just doing it for ourselves and you know and, and whether like you just said whether it, it makes something at the end that is that can be termed an, you know a body of work or a, a book or a magazine or an exhibition or, or whether it's just something that we've done to to, to express ourselves and, and, and to move ourselves along our own journey. I think, I think that's the important thing, is, is, to, is to work on what's right for you. And because there isn't one approach that, that is right for anybody and everybody. It, it, it's about really understanding who you are and, 
and actually just having a little bit of confidence to believe in what you do and, and to throw yourself wholeheartedly into what whatever it is that inspires you and to almost to hell with to hell with you know social media and sharing and having to produce something that might be wow or meet a certain standard but just you know just do it for you, do it. i think that's the, the important message i would also say to people is to do whatever you do is to wholeheartedly do it for yourself not for anybody else okay i i i i think i feel permissioned empowered what is it is, is that the right term is it, what about you graham are you feeling empowered right now uh yeah absolutely and um yeah i'm just i'm just really looking forward to seeing how this whole washland thing i'm looking forward to watching all of that because honestly i love seeing the process especially when the process shows oh this is hard and this isn't just look i magically fairied this out of my butt um <laughs> You've got a great picture on there uh, of your um, sort of mind map and this like all these ideas going off. And, and you know, I've done these before now. And like, oh, I've got this idea, got this idea, got this idea. And I kind of get to the point where I go, ah, and just write in big mark pen this over the whole thing and throw it in the bin. Um, so, no, I think it's great. And uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Aid. I, I think it's an empowering thing to say is just um, go and do what's right for you and do it with passion. I think that's the best way to produce anything of any interest absolutely yeah all right well on that bombshell i expect we better go for a break hadn't we oh yes and we've got we've got the exciting results of the shutdown quiz afterwards <laughs> ah yes but only only after you and rob have to run the gauntlet of that yourselves because <laughs> i'm now sitting on the results <laughs> yeah I mean, boo rachel for bailing and getting you out of this one so yeah that's time for me and rob to humiliate ourselves okay back in a minute folks for exactly that and you're back in the room right more specifically you're back in the game back in the competition back where graham is as cutthroat as it gets um, you know, and the less he's confident in his answers, more, normally the more aggressive he is with his comments. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next and hoping that Rob manages to survive. Um, I'm also hoping that Rob is more right than Graham is, actually. But uh... <laughs> so the way we're going to do this, there are six, six shutter sounds uh, that we uh, have put in, in our quiz. Um and uh well i say we have put in our quiz actually uh we should say thank you shouldn't we to uh matthew robert joseph otherwise known as photo dude nz who provided this for us so thank you again sir um we are going to go through these one at a time and i think i have uh given that this is an audio uh podcast i think i need some sort of scoring scale from you know sort of mm-hmm to <laughs> <laughs> so sort of you know intra interested noise to uh guffaw with laugh uh, um, uh, or something along those lines i will try and make it interesting for you folks as we go along um and uh just to put some extra pressure on uh graham um as you do with penalties you know you you, you choose your preferred team to shoot first so i'm gonna let rob go first so graham graham's only ever going to be playing catch up on this one <laughs> does that sound fair rob no, that that's good for me. I'm always always up for making a bit of a fool of myself. It's all good. <laughs> okay, Graham, does that sound fair to you? 
Not really, no, but I'll live with it. <laughs> okay, a bit of wailing and gnashing of teeth going on there. I can, I can sense it. I can sense it. Okay, yeah, right. So uh, we will play for our listeners right now all of the audio, and then we'll come back for the answers. And we're going to insert that audio right here. Shutter number one. Okay, here's shutter number two. Here we go. Here we go. See what happens. God, it's noisy when you're under a duvet. So, onto camera number five. Here we go. Shutter sound number one, two, three, four, five, six. Here we go. It's beautiful. Let's try that again. Cheers. Bye. Okay, and we are back again uh hope you've enjoyed that listeners um and we are going to t- now ask uh first of all our guest rob for his answer so rob please can you tell us what do you think was camera number one? Oh, so number one i went for a hasselblad uh 501 but i'm probably way off the mark it just kind of sounded reminiscent to a friend's camera Oh well, good thoughtful process. Um, what was that fella Roy Walker used to say? <laughs> <laughs> it's good, but it's not right. <laughs> uh, Graham, your go. What did you think was camera number one? Okay, well, I mean, obviously it was an SLR. No prizes for that. Uh, and then it, I went with because it's really hard to say how close it was well i went with the what it sounded like to me which is what i'm familiar with which is an olympus om1 or om something but i have a horrible feeling it might be one of those terrible nikons um but yeah that was my guess anyway my olympus om1 <laughs> i'm not only going to need the one catchphrase tonight aren't i <laughs> <laughs> okay um so so interestingly um uh because I, I also have of course the uh the submissions from our listeners and both of those actually that you've mentioned uh graham there the the uh are, are on the list uh, and but they're all wrong i'm afraid so um uh sad, sad to say sad to say go on what was it uh oh what do you want actually want the answers yes oh, yeah. I won't. <laughs> okay so camera number one was a voigtlander besser l Ugh. Well, there you go. So <laughs> Completely clearly, not even. Clearly an SLR. I did, I did scribble Voigtland down on one of the other ones, so we know something else is going to be wrong here. All right, okay. All right, so nil, nil, nil. I mean, I'm jealous, but... <sighs> okay, so, so... Clearly an SLR. Yeah, I'm clear. very good at this. Yes. Right, so, okay, camera number two. Uh, Rob, what did you think camera number two was? I, I kind of went a bit kind of left field here. I actually thought it was a Polaroid Instant. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I have no idea why. It just seemed kind of slightly mechanical, drawn out noise. Ah, uh, okay. I'm not sure where on my scale to put that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Graham, number two. Okay. This is the only one that I feel any level of confidence because anyone who has ever 
um, popped open the lens cover on this camera or loaded film into it will be very familiar, I think, with the sound of the Olympus Mu2 or Stylus Epic. Oh, our first correct answer. Well yes! done, sir. Well done, sir. It's very distinctive sound from that camera. You have at we, least we, one of those, don't you? Uh, just the one. Just the one. Too expensive for me to buy now, but I love it. Great yeah. cameras. Okay. All right. Let's uh, say, so, well, well, you've you've managed to steal the lead there and you put Rob in the catch-up position. So, yes. Rob, I tried to help you out, mate, but it's, it's all, all yours to do now. So can you tell me what you thought camera number three was? I I was aiming towards um, a Yashica TLR uh, six three five maybe something around there. Uh, interesting choice, interesting choice, and one that I I can see on our list from listeners as well. Uh, Graham. Now, I vaguely recall <laughs> the clip that we just listened to was the most chopped down version. Of, I have a vague feeling that there was a thumbwinder that went before that. So I, I'm going to make myself a complete tit here, but I think it's quite a basic point and shoot 35 millimeter. Um, so I'm going to go with um, the ultra wide and slim. <laughs> okay, I'm afraid neither of you got the type of camera correct on that one. <laughs> We're very good at this. Uh, that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in, in the audience was a Mamiya Seven. Uh, oh, oh wow! And I'm not sure I would even know what one of those sounded like. I imagine it makes a fairly small clicky noise because it's a it'll be a leaf shutter, I guess. Will it in a in a rangefinder like that? But yeah, yes, I think it is a leaf shutter. I clearly got it completely wrong about the thumb wind. I mean, I don't think Mia Seven have a thumb winder. Or, I, or I feel they, real. I think they might do. Uh, no, I mean, in the tense of like when these wind on with comparing mistaking a Mamiya 7 for an ultra wide and slim has probably never happened visually, that's for sure. <laughs> I think there may be a slight scale difference, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a very, very hard quiz, isn't it? So, so uh, let's, let's, let's move on to camera number four then. Rob, what did you think number four was? Well, number four, I actually had to listen back to that 15 times and I still <laughs> hear what well, I was convincing myself that I heard nothing. <laughs> so, so with that in mind, I actually went for a zero image 2000 pinhole camera. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Our survey says. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. All right, Graham. Okay. I went for that one with um one of the um mamiya uh, 64 let's go with the m645 or were we in one of that family of uh, cameras that was my guess for that one okay another random misses then according according to my reported uh answers that was the hasselblad x-pan oh crumbs you see the problem is what we're learning here is that um, Matthew has far too much money for his own good. Do you know what? I was just thinking that myself. (laughs) Yeah, because we're not familiar with all of these ones, like the Mamiya 7 and the Hasselblad X-Pan and the Voidlander, because I have a Vivitar Ultra Wide and Slim, hence that's what went on the list. Oh, God. Okay. Carry on, carry on. We're getting to it. Yes. Uh, Clearly, we've attracted some wealthy listeners (laughs) to our podcast, which is a good thing. Uh, okay, so camera number five, Rob. Uh, well, on this one, again, I wasn't overly sure, and I, and I couldn't pick a model, but 
it kind of sounded a little bit like a Leica. Okay. From, and again, maybe that ties into the to, to the, the the clear camera collector the guy who's created the set and got some sparkling cameras for the sounds of it. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough, good, good choice. Uh, Jeremy, what do you think it is? <laughs> I'm amazed it's taken this long for that to creep into the show. I've been um, saving it. <laughs> thank you, I appreciate it. Um, one of us is going to be very wrong on this, more likely both of us are, <laughs> because I thought that that was, um, and this is quite vague, but some sort of Canon point-and-shoot camera. Obviously, now I know it's Matthew's uh, gold-plated point-and-shoot camera was my guess. <laughs> Oh, you are maligning. Uh, you are maligning Matthew somewhat. Uh, that gentleman was a Holger. Oh, I think I might have gone out. Of, I might be out of single mode. <laughs> I have got. Uh, oh no, I crossed it out. I don't have Holger on my list. <laughs> I did have. I put a line through it. I think the one I thought was a Holger was a box. I put box. Carry on. This is a. Uh, so this is, this was one actually that I think this is uh, looking at the uh, the answers we've had from listeners. I think that that was the most successful answering uh, oh. that listeners made. So um, well done, listeners, on that one. Uh, right, last one, um, number six. Uh, please, Rob, could you tell me what you thought camera number six was? Uh, bearing in mind that this is your last chance. <laughs> <laughs> so no pressure. no pressure. I think we can safely say that it's uh, that if, if 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 I was a penalty taker, it'd be like reminiscent of Chris Waddle in the World Cup. <laughs> well, 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 well over the bar. Yeah, that that oh. age that ages you somewhat, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. That was the was that the '86 World Cup or the or 1990 World Cup? '90, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think it'd have been more at home in a, in, a, in a rugby World Cup match. But yeah, that particular <laughs> but, shot. Yes. Yeah, I went, I went for a Practica, and I think it, I can't remember the model. Was, I've got one sat in the corner of my room somewhere, either a BX twenty or a B twenty or something like along those lines. Okay, all right. Uh, that, that's uh, Rob's choice for number six. Graham, over to you. It is clearly, and without a shadow of a doubt, and I am 100% <laughs> certain of this, a Rolleiflex, for sure. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, well, I almost attempted to give you half a point. Uh, it's, it's a Yashica D. Oh, God, you know what? I, on my piece of paper, I wrote down Yashica124, but then given how much bloody money old rich bags over there spent on everything else, I thought, well, he's not going to have a Yashica. It's going to be a Rolleiflex, isn't it? Probably a gold-plated Rolleiflex. Um, I feel good that I was at least for this one time in the right type of camera. You did get the right type of camera, which yes, but yeah. t- so so well. I'm I'm sorry to say, um... <laughs> smashed it, yeah. smashed it. Yeah. One and a half um, points. Yeah, Jeremy is our winner. <laughs> yeah, you, you permission to pull your shirt over your head and do a, a cleansing and belly dive down the. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Graham. Well done, Rob. Uh, many commiserations. That, that, yeah, this this was super super hard. Okay, super super hard. But but thank you uh, to Matthew for for preparing that for us. Um, it it has been lots of fun. Oh, that was fun. But of course, that also brings us to to the point of announcing uh, the winners. Because uh, this was not just a, a test for you guys. This was something that the listeners have uh, sent their entries in for. And uh, the prize, uh, you will remember, I'm sure, uh, is not one, but two copies of the book, 
the Film Photography Handbook. Now, I'm going to have to look up my notes here to give it its full name because it actually has quite a long name because it's got like a subtitle as well. So it is called, in, in its complete title, The Film Photography Handbook rediscovering photography in 35mm medium and large format and it is of course written by Monica Andre and Chris Marquardt and it was Chris that came on the show uh, just before Christmas uh, and kindly donated two copies of their book uh, for our winners so uh, given that we've drawn this segment out for quite a long time already (laughs) (laughs) i'm not threatening to hold anybody in in suspense uh for any longer than uh just to announce it so congratulations to the two winners of our book whose answers were most correct and i'm being a little bit generous there our answers (laughs) because this was a very hard quiz to two listeners whose answers were most correct and they are danny peters and Jonas, otherwise known as colin matorn congratulations danny and Jonas. yay Okay, uh, so uh, we will get in touch with you both, uh, and uh, we'll get we'll need to get your postal addresses from you uh, so that we can send you the book. Uh, but uh, and uh, as I've had a, a chance to uh, look through it myself, not the copies that for winners, because Chris very kindly gave us a copy to share between the sunbeams. Uh, that it is a, a prize well worth having. So thank you to everybody that entered. Uh, thank you to everybody who braved the toughest quiz this this side of I don't know the year three thousand and one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah uh and our, our worthy winners will receive their books as soon as i can get them out to them excellent stuff right well and on on that note uh we'll go for another quick break and then come back with some more news and entertainment for you Okay, and back now because uh, we do like to share some digital news uh, on our analog podcast every now and again. And this one's got us all a spinning because I'm not sure whether it's digital or analog or what. So, uh, Graham, what have Kodak been up to? What have Kodak been up to? I want to give a quick shout out and thank you to Neil Piper, Andrew Bartram, and Matt at andrews-film-photos for um, pointing me to this although in fairness to Kodak and the splash they made this week it was quite hard to miss it's CES going on in Las Vegas this week the consumer electronics show and um, so Kodak have been there and they have been unveiling some surprising things is it some new film you might be asking no No. it is not (laughs) what have they been launching well first off a bitcoin (laughs) now Unless you live under a stone, you may well have already seen this um, because it's been quite big news. Kodak have announced they are launching a Bitcoin. They are jumping on that very, very popular bandwagon. Um, It is tied in with their photography um, and image know-how. And this is supposed to be something that is going to be offered to photographers who will use it in conjunction. You know, the photographers who sign up for their service and use their Bitcoin will... um, be able to more easily license their photographs and trade and sell things, sell images through using that. And also they're talking about the fact that they will have software which will constantly be scanning the internet looking for copyright infringements. Um, Obviously there is software that does both of these things already. Uh, There are many good ways of selling stuff. You know, maybe, maybe this new offering from Kodak is going to be 
somehow super special. So there's that, um, which has had quite a big splash. It certainly made a big difference, at least briefly, to Kodak's share value. They also launched this week in conjunction with, I can't remember the name of the actual people building it, but a Bitcoin mining rig. Um, this, for somebody who doesn't know anything about Bitcoin mining, which largely includes me, is you're paying for this very specialized computer, which is sits away in a um, warehouse somewhere with probably thousands of other ones. You're paying to rent that for two years. You pay, uh, I think it's $3,400. The idea being that this will chug away mining for Bitcoins. And by the end of it, it will have made you $9,000 uh, so you're better off from doing this. There are some questions in the air about the mathematics which have been applied to arrive at this number. Um, the good news is they have actually also launched something that is vaguely relevant to film photography, and that is a new scanner. So they've um, unveiled a scanner that's coming out, which will be able to scan 35 millimeter, 110, and also 126 film. Um, and uh, Andrews dash film dash photos. Uh, he asked whether we thought that the fact that they're um, releasing this scanner was an indication that maybe they might be looking to bring back more in a way of 110 film and 126 film um, or or whether it's just the case of, well, it's real easy to make a mask that scans those things. So why wouldn't you? I, I have to say, I have a feeling it's probably the latter. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's been a hell of a lot out Kodak this week and they did hit the mainstream news because a company like Kodak launching a Bitcoin is newsworthy and it did bump their shares. What are your thoughts on this, guys? Uh, it, difficult to pull together, uh, almost as difficult to pull together coherent thought as it is for Kodak to pull together a coherent product strategy. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm assuming this is not Kodak Alaris that actually manufactures the film, is it? This is no. This is old only, Kodak in 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 America. Yes, yeah, it does seem to be that they've they've. It's always been just described as Kodak, not Kodak Alaris. Um, I, I don't know. This comes into the category for this is a bit cynical, maybe, but for me, it comes into the category of I believe it when I see it. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been a good way of freeing up some money for them. I would imagine. Um, because Kodak, the, the thing that everybody knows about Kodak is how badly they whiffed the transition to digital, which was really the the nail in their coffin um, that led to them being in such dire straits later on. Um, and they obviously don't want that to happen with this new thing that's going on. But, um, you know, Rob, you're an IT guy. What do you think of Kodak and Bitcoins? I, uh, again, a bit, a bit like... Uh... Ada, I'm a bit skeptical. I think I'm, I think it's a speculative, a very speculative move. Um, I don't think anybody really knows where you know where this is going to go in in terms of this kind of this kind of quasi money currencies that are around at the minute. So uh, I can't help think that from a Kodak point of view that. It, it was a kind of a, a certainly a business and maybe capital generation strategy as much as anything else. Push the share price up, dip the toes in, see if it works. But and to look at maybe diversifying more, which is obviously where they failed. Like you say, when they went when the digital revolution and 
kind of took hold. But um, whether they've missed an opportunity to focus on the resurgence of analog um, uh, and to actually build on the heritage again, or whether this is a funding mechanism to do some of that in the future, I don't know. But an interesting one, I think, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, unfortunately, the reality is that as, as far as just generating big money in the city, um, the, the the analog resurgence is never going to do that. And, and that's why they're taking these steps. And also, you know, this is not, I mean, yes, this is, this is definitely the um, most out there thing they've done. But the in the last year they have also released a mobile phone um, mm. made by kodak and of course they've got um an instant camera the pixler something like that um i know uh, i was looking at the uh, exhibitor list for the photography show coming up and kodak are going to be there but don't expect to see any film from them it is the kodak that you know it is a pixler stand so <laughs> i will be avoiding <laughs> that like the plague um but there you go oh well <laughs> <laughs> some interesting Bunch stuff. Big yellow there, box, isn't it? Yeah, there's some interesting stuff in the sense that it provides a few minutes for us a conversation. I'm not sure any of us, but decided that quite know what to make of it. But uh, who know? Who knows? It certainly made a uh, certainly made an impression this week, didn't it? Um, uh, and uh, well, good, uh, maybe it'll maybe it'll keep going. I'd be interested to see what the film scanner's like. Um, one day mm. I'll scan mm. some film. Yeah. One day ever, maybe. <laughs> yeah i mean i i, I that that is def obviously the most interesting thing and I, and I hope i hope that it is a good quality scanner it would be nice if there was a small easy to use option for scanning in um 35 mil film well, actually there, especially there for are. 110 as well actually yeah absolutely so that that might be one to watch um yeah. but i don't you know i'm not super confident until that hits the road but um you know it makes me think this week uh in another very exciting news this week has seen the um emulsive.org uh, m over emulsive launches patreon um because guess what running a website is expensive and he spends a lot of time on it so um he's launched a patreon which is awesome but i'm realizing now that what he really should have done is launch a bitcoin um so you've missed a trick there em. <laughs> oh well, well good luck to em with that actually they, they, you know, they, they, I, I hope he gets recognized for the enormous amount of work that he puts into that community yeah well he's already got 50 people backing him so it's been, a, and it's been going for i think i thought you were going to say so. 50p then <laughs> he's already got 50p a shiny 50p coin which i definitely think he's earned no more just that <laughs> Okay, well, all right. Mo- moving on, moving on. So uh, it's time for us to to uh, uh, well, we we have an email this week, uh, an email from Ed Worthington, uh, also known as or as of course uh, the six million P man. Whilst we're talking about peas, um, he says uh, greetings, Sunbeamers. Uh, great episode as usual. Oh, well, um, no attribution for which one. I'll just assume it means all of them. <laughs> great episode as usual. Really interesting to listen on to on the commute back and for to work today funny you should mention the photography show in birmingham i was sorry my reading is shocking i was deliberating whether or not to go again this year but think i will since it'd be a good excuse to say hello to you lot look forward to hearing next week's episode ed excellent ed we will look forward to meeting you too uh just for a recap for everybody uh we the sunbeams are going to be at the photography show at the nec in birmingham 
on Sunday the 18th of March and we will be doing a meetup at some point that day um, and we will have more details as we get closer to the time and figure out things like logistics and, and what's good to do. Um, last year um, uh, Graham and I went and we narrowly missed Rachel who we didn't really know quite so well at that point as we do this at this point. Um, so we'll be working harder to make sure that it's not narrowly missed this year. It's widely avoided. Uh, well, I tell you what, all the lurgies she'll be bringing with her. <laughs> I, I think so. Um, so get well soon, Rach, because otherwise we're going to be like standing on the other side of the NEC. Um, so let, what were some of the highlights of last year? Well, I think Graham and Neil Piper, between them, bought about 25 cameras from... Uh, there was a charity store. Can you remind me the charity? Yeah, it's the disabled photographer store. That was definitely where Neil spent almost all of his day was there. Um, It's great because they collect cameras from donations throughout the year and then they can basically have this one opportunity to go and sell all these secondhand cameras. And um, they had an incredible range of stuff there and all the money goes to a very good cause. So that's very cool. Absolutely. Uh, We also had a jolly good chat with the man that owns Patterson, as in Patterson Tanks. Uh, and reels um, and he was talking to us about product strategy i didn't know at the time that actually patterson also sell a whole range of studio lighting equipment um so uh whether that uh, that was uh, an interesting one for us uh what else did we do oh there was a comic-con next door wasn't there so actually that really worked well because putting a bunch of people who like to take photographs in front of a bunch of people who like to have their photograph taken that yeah, was pretty that was magical perfect. uh there were lots of stormtroopers <laughs> <laughs> there was um we went to the and in no way is this at all confusing having rob here from uh rk photography we went to the shop rk photographic which is an analog photography shop and they were very nice there yeah that was a bit confusing because i thought that that was you to begin with rob for, for obvious reasons i think it's fairly safe to say um and of course we had to go and see lamography because they were there and they're going to be there again this year beyond that there's not a great deal for analog photographers. We, we tried not to get something out. What did we try? We went to Kodak, not Kodak, to Fuji, didn't we? Because they were teasing, they <laughs> yeah. were teasing their new Instax camera, but they hadn't brought it out yet. Um, yeah. But for all the things that are neither digital nor analog, for people that like things like lighting equipment, like I do, um, and uh, well, what cafes else? like I do. Yes, you like you like a good cup of tea don't you we all know i do (laughs) so for anybody who's burning ambition has been to come and have a cup of tea with graham (laughs) that can certainly be arranged most people i'm guessing at this point are you going to be there rob um i've we've tried to make it down for the last three or four years and it always falls very close to a couple of education conferences so time is possibly going to be a struggle again i shall do my i shall definitely get a ticket uh, but whether we make it i'm not sure oh well if you can make it it'd be great to see you but yeah it's yeah. um it, it it does have the advantage i think is even if you buy just a sort of general admission ticket uh if you if you're not sure whether you can go or not actually um uh they're not expensive or, although actually because it's the nec and enormous you could probably just pitch up on the day and buy one if you're able to make it um so uh, but we will be doing uh, a meet up there for sunny 16 uh, we would love to see as many of you as can make it sunday the 18th of march more details to come 
Guys, it's me, Graham, here from the future with an important message. Save the cheerleader, say, no, wait, that's not the right message. Ah, ah, here we go. Rachel has been on the case and she has got us a special discount. So if you want to come to the photography show and you haven't yet got your tickets, if when you're buying them, you use the discount code SUN16TPS18, that's sun 16 TPS 18 that will get you three pounds off standard entry um so use that code right now back to whatever waffle aid was saying whoop whoop right uh now on to uh more recent communications uh graham it says here that you've received a package Okay, yeah, I just want to get a couple of quick thank yous. The first one is to Jason Champney, um, who uh, I think is at Jace Images, I think. Sorry, Jason, if I've got that wrong. I've, I've, I've tweeted it, it'd be fine. Anyway, Jace sent me a very cool, and it's in this awesome old box. It is a box of Ilford Refill HP5 film from 1965. Whoa. So it's, it, it, it's in a film-sized film box, like an ordinary film thing, but I... I'm not sure if it's in a container or not. I think it might, it's because it's in a metal tin. I think within the metal tin, it might just be film that you're supposed to then put onto a cassette reel, you know, that goes in and reload one of those. So um, I, I am, I'm going to have a go at that. I'm going to get in touch with Ilford and see if they've got any suggestions for what I might find in there before I open it. So that was pretty cool. Also, along with that, because I like sweets. So he sent me a bag. He sent me some um, sort of chocolatey biscuit things. They were quite nice. But what was the real highlight were some Danish uh, wine gums. I sent you a picture of these, Aid. You did, um, and they were, they were rude. <laughs> so Danish wine gums or jellies or whatever you want to call them, uh, they are sexy wine gums. So instead of being in the shape of boring things like just... A fruit. lozenge or fruit <laughs> or a bottle. No, you had a sexy leg or a bum or boobs or underpants slash knickers. They were extremely <laughs> sexy wine gums. Uh, wonderful. Just just great. What an insane, insane thing to do with confectionery, which I would have thought was primarily aimed at children. But um, yeah, it's all good. Good work, Denmark. Um, and the other person I want to give a quick shout out to, because I literally just today got um, a letter through the post from our good friend Eric um, at Load Film and Subdued Light. He sent this to me back for Christmas, so thanks very much to the Postal Service. <laughs> it, the, the 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 thing that he sent me it's like on a, um, an old um data entry card the kind of thing you feed into a unix thing it's very cool and it's all around this thing that eric does every year for christmas or so a bit late this year we'll be passing this on but he makes this sort of really cool themed mix with great music and um and also like different excerpts and bits of pieces in there it's really good and apparently this year the theme is um it's based around the first film that george lucas ever made is it the He's written it down. Hang on. THX one one three eight. Very good, Aid. Eh? You've got the numbers right. Yes, a film I have seen, but it was a while ago. So I don't think it's... I have actually. Although, if you watch, uh, what was the film that Har- the first film that he did with Harrison Ford in it? Um, oh, set in nineteen fifties Middle America. Anyway, no, the, the, I... the, the 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 it's all about drag racing cars on the street and hanging out at diners, wearing roller skates, that sort of thing. It's like a movie of. Um, uh, the Fonz. Anyway, um, the, one of the cars in that movie actually has the number plate THX1138. 
There you I go. wonder how that was. Little bit of fi- little bit of film trivia for you. And I wish I could remember what the hell that film was called. I'm going to Google it noisily while you go through the rest of the announcements. I can't believe you remember a number plate from that film for a film that you've not seen, but don't remember the name of that film. Anyway, um, this the playlist looks really cool. Um, a lot of American music Graffiti. I... Oh uh, yeah. Um, so sorry, what out. were you saying? No, oh, never mind. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> anyway you can find this if you want to listen to it go to um mixcloud.com and look for little black star um that's eric's uh alter ego um i listened to the one he did i haven't listened to this one yet because i only got left today um but i listened to the one he did last winter and it was really good i really enjoyed it um a lot of thought and effort goes into them so definitely worth checking out mixcloud little black star and um thank you eric for sending me the very cool uh i don't know i said not not punch card but whatever the next thing was one it's very cool that's that okay and just just to just to prove that i was correct so American Graffiti, 1973 film, starring, listen to this for a cast, right, from 1973 for a small budget movie. Richard Dreyfus, Ron Howard, uh, where is he? He is in there somewhere. Harrison Ford, uh, Wolfman Jack, uh, all sorts of famous names. Uh, and So um, there we go. I was more or less right, sort of, with half a memory of something. <laughs> You're more or less right with that random fact that nobody asked for. You nailed it, Aid. Absolutely nailed it. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that I've then provided a lovely segue for you into your announcements about project launches or ongoing project reminders. Yeah. Um, so Rach just asked us to remind everybody a couple of things that were emailed to us last week. So Roll Film Week is coming up. Hashtag Roll Film Week and the um, Flickr group, because we talked about Flickr earlier, um, organised at least in part by Hillary Clark. That's going from the 22nd to the 26th of January. And to tail that on the 27th, it's 127 day, which Rachel and I realised after we got off, that's that I'm going up to visit Rachel, so we will be together on the 27th of January and we will be shooting 127 film in Liverpool. So um, that's very exciting. Cool. Well, I mean, it's not very exciting, but it's exciting. Have you, got, have you got any 127 film? I have, because Andrew Bartram gave me a couple of rolls of it. But to be honest, even if I didn't have any, it's quite easy to shoehorn in some 35mm and sell it in place. So right, okay. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you've got a roll of 127. Excellent. Good stuff. Um, seems a little bit of a cheat to shoot 35mm on 127. <laughs> well, a little bit, yeah. Okay, all right. Do you know what? Um, I I sense a train wreck near, you know, in in our near future, so I think it's probably time to close the show. Um, I, first of all, though, um, Rob, thank you ever so much for being on the show. Um, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. But um, tell us where can people go and find you on the internet? Where would you like to direct our listeners to? Excellent. Well, well, thank you. Firstly, thank you guys actually for having me on. It's been a, an absolute hoot. Um, keep up the good work with the show actually because it's like great to listen to but uh, in terms of finding me um people can find me i'm on twitter and at rk photographic uh via our personal website which is www.rkphotographic.com uh or via the connected exhibition website which we were chatting around earlier uh which is www connected-exhibition.co.uk as I said that launches on the launch weekend where we'll have the events is Saturday the 7th and April 
and Sunday the 8th of April uh, at Patching's Art Centre in Nottingham. Entry is completely free with all the events, all the talks are completely free. It is normally round, so anybody who would like to come, please get there early. There's loads of accommodation reasonably close by. It's fairly cheap. On the Saturday, anybody who's coming along, um, we've got some really cool stuff on. Uh, there's going to be a bit of a mixture, actually, over the weekend. So we've got um, David Hopley, who uh, affectionately known as the King of the Drones. Uh, David, who, who actually gave me a drone flying lesson the other week, uh, for which of one I bought town with my project. He's going to be doing some practical demonstrations. So very digital base there. We've got uh, Marianthe Blanus um, from Liverpool, who does some absolutely stunning abstract and landscapes. Followed after lunch by um, Morag Patterson and Ted Leeming, who are husband and wife, um, Scottish photographers. Uh, always work as a really interesting collaborative partnership. Uh, produce some fantastic stuff. And then for the film buffs out there, um, Mr. Pinhole himself, we've got Paul Mitchell on uh, closing Saturday, which should be pretty good. I love Paul's work. He does some absolutely stunning pinhole. Uh, Sunday, I've got one slot, which I'm almost 99% was confirmed, um, which is a should be really exciting. People just keep an eye on Twitter and the website for that. Followed by... After, um, a Toddcast uh, special, we're going to do this roundtable interview, and the and a, a lady who's well known to Sunny Sixteen listeners um, is the very inspiring Isabel Kurds or Kurdes will be on in the afternoon and closing Connected Twenty Eighteen. Um, Colin Bell, who produces some absolutely stunning sort of landscape photographer and has released a book this year all about his sort of challenges with his loss of hearing or de degradation of his hearing and how photography has been a bit of a healing um entity for him so that's so that's a connected weekend people can as i say they can find loads of that connected on there give us a follow on twitter but let's say huge thanks to you guys it's been brilliant all right well that's great thank you very much sounds like you've got a a, a packed packed event there um uh so I, i'm sure i will wish you good luck with it uh sounds like it's already very successful though okay so uh that does bring us to the end of the show uh and as usual we like to say thank you to uh chris at the pixelated photographer for hosting the show and uh to rachel's band rocker for the music uh promises i should have kept is their album you can get it on spotify amazon or iTunes um, you can get in touch with us uh, of course we are sunny 16 podcast pretty much everywhere as I think you all know by now on Instagram you'll find mostly Graham on Twitter you'll find mostly me I've been a little bit quiet for the last week I apologize for that because uh, I've been away traveling on business uh, and it's been slightly trickier to figure out which way uh, my phone points um, and uh, Facebook uh, you'll find us or you'll find Rachel um, probably won't find me and Graham um, but you can email us all uh, sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com so thank you all it has been a privilege and an honor as always to talk to you and we will talk to you next week goodbye bye bye